Bienvenidos a todos. You are listening to the Paseo Podcast, where we highlight stories by, from, and about the Puerto Rican community. My name is Joshua Smeza de Leon, and I want to thank you for downloading this episode. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are streamed, give this podcast a like and subscribe to it. It makes a world of difference. We started this podcast as a way to bring attention to the diverse and vibrant stories that make up the Puerto Rican communities here in Paseo Boricua in Chicago and around the world. From La Isla to the diaspora, we hope you enjoy what you hear. Hey everyone, really short show today. We've seen this before, but it's especially important today as the charges in the Breonna Taylor case were released this week. I'll share more of my thoughts on the verdict with you later in the show, but right now we need a revolution of values in America. The coalitions we build today can ensure policies impact our present and our future for the better. This is especially needed in our justice system, not just for our communities, not just for BIPOC communities, not just for Latinx communities, not just for whatever community you're a part of in this nation. We need a revolution of values, especially in our justice system, that works for everyone. Speaking of coalition building and revolutions, it feels appropriate to talk about a significant moment in Boricua history that lives on in the Puerto Rican people to this day. El Grito de Lares, which celebrated its 152nd anniversary yesterday. So I'm going to give you a quick rundown of this event thanks to our friends over at MeToo. And we'll definitely have a more extensive show around the revolution closer to next year's anniversary. With that said, let's take a quick trip back in time in Boricua history. If there's something to be said of Puerto Rico, aside from the delicious food and infectious music, it's the unwavering and incredible resilience of the Puerto Rican people. Though we've seen this with things like Hurricane Maria, that community spirit has really shined through, the uprising to kick out Rosselló, uh, the former governor of Puerto Rico. We have seen this community spirit in the face of disaster, in the face of corruption. And one important example is El Grito de Lares, an uprising against Spanish rule in 1868. Like many Spanish colonies during that time, Puerto Rico faced economic and political injustice. And for context, Puerto Rico was controlled by Spain for over 400 years, starting in 1493. Decades of slavery, genocide of Taino people, an economic crisis and independent movements throughout Latin America led to this breaking point. As a result, in January of 1868, Dr. Ramón Emiterio Bentances and Segundo Ruiz Belvis created the Revolutionary Committee of Puerto Rico. Dr. Betances' statement on Spain's oppression of Puerto Rico would then make its way through various dissident groups. Their plans for an uprising were discovered by Spanish authorities and forced the armed rebellion to act sooner. So on September 23, 1868, the group advanced to Lares in Puerto Rico. The group was not adequately trained or armed but there were up to 600 rebels who took over Lares. The rebels were supporters of economic and political freedom for Puerto Rico, including people across societal and economic landscapes 
So the rebels were people living in poverty, slaves, landowners, merchants, just to name a few. They shouted, Viva la Libertad! Viva Puerto Rico Libre! as they moved through the town. The next day, they named Francisco Ramirez as the president of the Republic of Puerto Rico, who remains the only person to have ever been named a Puerto Rican president. Additionally, all slaves who had joined in the rebellion were made free citizens. However, this celebration would be short-lived. As the rebel group attempted to seize the next city, San Sebastián del Pepino, the Spanish militia was heavily armed and forced them back to Lares, where they were eventually imprisoned. By November, they were freed by the Spanish governor in an attempt to calm political tensions on La Isla. Today, El Grito de Lares is remembered as a call for freedom for Puerto Ricans. Though the group did not achieve independence for Puerto Rico, it did result in more freedoms granted from Spain and remains a testament to Puerto Rico's unwavering spirit when faced with adversity. And to give you a sense of some of the things that this was able to push forward, we're talking about the start of political parties, restricted freedom of the press, and abolition of slavery on La Isla. With all this in mind, it's understandable why to this day the spirit of El Grito de Lares lives on to this day. Que viva Puerto Rico! We want to take this moment to say thank you again for listening. When you download our podcast or subscribe to the podcast itself, that makes a world of difference. So gracias for taking your time to listen to us. We also want to take this time to thank the sponsor of today's episode. This episode would not be possible without the generous support of the Puerto Rican Cultural Center. The Puerto Rican Cultural Center, located at 2546 West Division Street, right here in Chicago, is a community-based, grassroots, educational, health, and cultural services organization founded on the principles of self-determination, self-actualization, and self-sufficiency that is all activist-oriented. For more information on the work they do, give them a visit at their website at prcc-chgo.org. Again, that's prcc-chgo.org. Now, if you or anyone else you know would like to be a sponsor of the Paseo Podcast, please email us at paseopod at gmail.com. That's P-A-S-E-O-P-O-D at gmail.com. Tell them Joshua from Humble Park sent you. Hope you enjoyed that really quick history recap of El Grito de Lares. As I mentioned at the top of the show, the Brianna Taylor verdict came out yesterday, and I wish I could say I was surprised. Grief, rage, injustice, disappointment, sickness, anger, hopelessness, months of protesting, endless petitions, calls to the state's attorney, and only one of three officers was charged. And that charge was for first-degree wanton endangerment with a max five years in prison. Keep in mind, that's a Class D felony, the lowest of four classes of felonies. The max sentence is five years, but the minimum is one. 
So this one Louisville police officer was indicted on three counts of wanton endangerment. If convicted, this officer faces five or one year imprisonment for each count. If this was a class A felony, for example, a murder charge, that would carry a sentence of up to 50 years or life and a minimum sentence of 20 years. All this wanton endangerment charge means is the police officer is guilty of putting other people's lives in danger and not Brianna's. It's as if she was an afterthought. This is not the justice Brianna Taylor, black women, the black community, and our nation deserves. Arrest the cops who killed Brianna Taylor. It's as simple as that, people. She's not the only black woman killed by our unjust justice system, and this needs to stop. Unjustly taking people from this world needs to stop. It's time to grieve, redistribute resources, and fight for policy and politicians that work for everyone. As the people in Puerto Rico built a coalition and protested against injustice during El Grito de Lares, so must we in our fight to revolutionize the values and morals we hold in this country. Our people deserve better. I appreciate you listening to me vent about this. And once again, just want to shout out all the people that are doing work in the streets, speaking truth to power and fighting for a more equitable and more just society. Our sound editor, Richie, was actually out at the protest last night. And we'll share some of that audio at the end to close out the show. We'll let the voices in the streets speak for themselves. reporting for Paseo Podcast. I'm right here today on the evening of Wednesday, September the 23rd in the Bronzeville neighborhood at 35th in Michigan. We are starting to see some police presence around on Michigan. Salt trucks have now blocked entrance into this block in particular where the police headquarters are located at. Right off the top of the head, I can count maybe around 75 to 100 people. And we have bike marshals over here guarding the perimeters of the march headed east on 36th Street. Jasmine Salas. I am here representing the Chicago Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression. I'm also a member of the Chicago Boricua Resistance. Is there anything here that, that has inspired you tonight? or has, um... Yeah, I think definitely one, seeing all of the unity, seeing a really d- diverse crowd, black folks, Latino folks, white folks coming together, you know, saying, you know, we want to end this system of policing. We want to end, you know, these racist police practices and police impunity. 
Um, I think also, you know, there's a lot of spirit in the crowd. People are high energy. People are pumped. You know what I'm saying? Even though people may be heartbroken, people may be upset, people are definitely, you know, willing to be in the streets in this moment. You know, knowing how dangerous it is right now, right? Like we, when I first arrived to the to the protest, you know, we were surrounded by salt trucks. We were literally blocked in by the cops, cops standing in front of the police station. You know, but despite that, people still come out, right? People still come out because this is wrong. And when something like this happens, we need to be out in the streets. Thank you. Yeah, well, in Chicago, we are um, fighting for an ordinance called CPAC, which is a Civilian Police Accountability Council. Um, it would have, it would give the community the power to hold cops accountable. It could control the Chicago police budget. Um, you know, so we could defund the police. We could take some money away from their overblood, overbloated budget. Um, so that's something that folks can do right now is, you know, look up CPAC, you know, talk to your older person about CPAC um, and make sure that, that they support it, you know. But ultimately, I think it's also important for us to educate people about what's going on, you know, get involved locally with organizations, you know, finding the, your local BLM chapter or your local, like, organization to join, you know, to really put your frustration into action. Okay. Last question. Uh, how can listeners of this podcast um, become involved with the movement that's going on in Chicago? Well, you can follow us on Facebook, <laughs> the Chicago Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression. You know, I find Facebook overall is a good place to find protests, to find out about campaigns that people are running. You know, definitely just like social media can be such a powerful tool to mobilize people. So that would be my... Um, recommendation is you know go online look up black lives matter look up the chicago alliance look up cpac um, and just start digging okay cool thank you for the time yeah thank you